Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today's episode will help you solve the pesky problem of making black bean burgers at home. Black bean burgers are healthy, incredibly filling, and a great alternative to eating red meat. I gotta say, most of the time, I want a burger because of the toppings and the side of fries. So black bean, veggie, beef, turkey, whatever the protein is between the bun, doesn't really matter to me. As most home cooks know, or maybe don't know, a black bean burger can very quickly turn into a mushy lump of black mess on a bun, and frankly, most black bean burgers I've made just turn out to be trash. Until now. Today's black bean burger recipe was developed by the highly impressive and influential chef Kenji Lopez-Alt. This recipe is a bit of a labor of love, like many of Kenji's recipes, but it's worth the time and effort, especially if you're cooking for a carnivore who is a little bit hesitant on not having meat at all of their meals. I am not talking about anybody in particular. (laughs) Kenji is an incredible chef who is clearly doing his research on recipes and techniques, and hopefully you'll learn a thing or two from this recipe. With any burger, it's also imperative that we find toppings and condiments that perfectly complement the bean's natural flavor along with the other ingredients within our patties. I must say a general disclaimer that this is not a beef burger, so it will not taste like beef. We are not trying to make a mock beef burger. We're making a black bean burger, people. But let's lean into trying something new and enjoying the feeling of not having a disgusting, wretched stomach ache after dinner. Kenji's original recipe can be found in the show notes, and this should yield about six to eight large burgers or 12 or so slider-sized burgers. Start to finish, this will take about an hour between prepping, sauteing, cooking, and assembling. And for this recipe, you'll need a skillet, a sheet pan, and possibly a food processor if you have one. So take out your pens and paper because you're going to want to jot these ingredients down. We can't make a black bean burger without the black beans, so we'll need two 15-ounce cans of black beans here. Of course, you could use fresh beans, Black beans are a dense bean with a meaty texture that have a bit of a harder outer shell, which is why their proper name is actually black turtle beans, which is adorable. These outer shells really help give us the texture that we're wanting for this burger. And you'll find black beans commonly cooked through Latin American cuisines, as well as Cajun and Creole cuisines. So today's toppings and peppers and whatnot that we'll be using definitely have a more Mexican Latin twang to them. Black turtle beans don't only just have a cute name, but they pack a lot of nutritional punches. They're known to decrease the risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and overall mortality while promoting a healthy complexion and hair, increased energy. I believe we love all of those things. So we're making these burgers, right? So most recipes for black bean burgers use fresh black beans directly out of the can and just immediately start working with them and working them into the patty mixture. But Kenji actually came up with a genius technique of partially dehydrating the canned black beans in the oven, which ensures that the texture is not just tragically mushy, but we are going to want to make sure we rinse and drain those beans. We don't want that soggy bean juice to be on the baking sheet. Of course, a little moisture is fine, but we don't want them sopping wet. Then we will need four tablespoons of vegetable oil. So we're going to need the vegetable oil for both 
sauteing our peppers and onions, as well as actually cooking the patties themselves. They call for vegetable oil, but you could swap in olive oil, canola oil, really whatever you have here will work. Some types of oils, like a coconut oil, might impart a bit too much of a coconutty flavor, which is not really the flavor profile we're going for here. But again, whatever works, whatever you have will be completely fine. Then we will need one medium onion, and we are going to be finely chopping that onion, which should give us about one cup. And we're going to want to chop them finely so we don't get aggressive bites of onion. We're going to be sauteing this along with pepper and some garlic. So they are going to soften down, but we're really wanting the flavor of the onion without that big bite of onion in the burger. No, we do not want that. Any kind of onion can really work here. White, yellow, red. I'd say stay away from swapping in a shallot here. That might also throw off the flavors of the other components in this dish. But again, if that's all you have, go with God and throw it in there. It's all good. And generally in Mexican cuisine, they cook with white onions. So I would say if you have a white onion, let's use that over any other color. Then we will need one large poblano pepper. Again, finely chopped, about one cup. We love a poblano here on the Home Cooks Guide. And I feel like there's actually way more flavor in a poblano versus any other kind of bland-ass bell pepper. Shots fired. I don't like bell peppers. I'll cook with them, but I don't like them. So poblanos are just a mild chili pepper originating from Mexico. You most likely have heard of poblanos featured in a chili relleno, which is a poblano pepper stuffed with cheese and battered and fried and smothered in a heavenly sauce. It's truly what I believe to be one of the best dishes in the world. I've actually never made one myself. So I'm going to add that to my list of recipes to try because I need to start perfecting a chili relleno so that I can then impart that wisdom onto you, my loyal listeners. And so, of course, if you can't get your hands on a poblano pepper, any kind of pepper works, red, yellow, green, whatever you have. And we're going to want to finely chop these as well. Again, it's more about the flavor than the texture of the poblanos in these burgers. Then we will need three medium cloves, and we're going to need them minced. Fresh garlic cloves, amazing. Pre-minced, also fine here. Pre-minced, I would do about a tablespoon, a little bit more. At this point, you know every recipe basically on the Home Cook's Guide will require garlic. So if you follow the, what is it, low FODMAP diet, then this is not the show for you. (laughs) So we will also need one chipotle chili in adobo sauce. And we are going to be finely chopping that one chipotle chili, as well as using one teaspoon of the sauce that it's actually in. So chipotle chilies and adobo sauce are just jalapeno chilies that have been dried, smoked, and then packed in a flavorful sauce made of tomatoes and lots of other spices. You'll commonly find cans of the chipotle chilies in the Mexican cuisine section of your grocery store. And adding the chilies and its accompanying sauce into this dish for me, really packs a flavor punch in this dish. This is kind of where you start seeing the chipotle chilies, the poblanos, the black beans, all having these Latin Mexican roots, and they all work really well together. So I will say, don't skip this step in the recipe. And if you're not able to find it at your local store, you can find a can of this on Amazon for literally less than $2. So I definitely encourage you to buy a can. And granted, we're only using one chipotle chili and a teaspoon of its sauce. You're going to have some leftovers. So this is a perfect excuse to whip up some chipotle mayo. I adore chipotle mayo in this house. We have a very specific brand of chipotle mayo that we adore. They actually don't sell it at my local grocery store, so 
I've had I've definitely had moments where I'm buying Chipotle mayo on Amazon, but I decided to no longer do that and I actually just make it myself and it's so much better than store bought as well as being so much more affordable. You could really whip up a Chipotle mayo super quickly, just take some of the chilies and their sauces, add some mayo, you could either put it in a food processor or just mix it up manually. Maybe I'll add some lime juice, some salt, and some pepper, and voila, you've got yourself an incredible chipotle mayo, which also is going to be a must-have condiment on this very burger. So I encourage you to do that. I'll also post a link to a more formal recipe of how to make a chipotle mayo from Kenji himself, and you can make that with your remainder of your chilies. You're not going to need that much of the adobo sauce in your chipotle mayo. So you could also add these to a tortilla soup, a chili, a fajita. You could make a homemade barbecue sauce with them. I came across someone saying they made a chipotle mac and cheese, which is tickling my fancy. So the options are endless when it comes to these chipotle chilies. Again, not the ingredient to skip in this recipe. Speaking of an ingredient that you could possibly skip, again, not because of I've ever done it, but I heard comments saying you could possibly skip this, but we are going to need three-fourths of a cup of roasted cashews. And so you could go roasted or raw. I actually ended up going raw on this because I didn't notice that it said ca- roasted cashews until this very point, but only made it four times. But we're going roasted and we're going unsalted. Obviously, not the most fun to just munch on casually, but we need it to be a little bit boring for this recipe. Cashews might seem like a random ingredient here, but they'll actually really add a hearty textural variation in this burger. Again, we're not eating meat, and so much of what makes a proper beef burger delicious is the beef and all the textures that come with it, whether it's like the craggly little bits on the end, the moist, juicy insides but we don't have a lot of (laughs) we don't have that in a black bean burger so I think what Kenji is really trying to do with finding all these interesting ingredients to put into this burger is flavors but also create textural variation and we're really looking for things to jazz up this burger and as I mentioned I saw some people who didn't add them into the burger and they said it wasn't a major loss to not have them but hey we are sheep here at the home cook's guide we follow what the recipe says And I liked it in there. I I wasn't offended by the cashew in the burger. And it's also just an additional little health boost. I am not unaware that cashews and frankly all nuts these days can be incredibly expensive. So if it is possible to buy your nuts in bulk rather than prepackaged, it's probably your best bet on saving a buck on nuts. You could buy exactly how much you need versus having to buy, you know, a full container's worth if you don't really think you're going to be eating it. We're we're a nut family here. Um... So we snack on cashews, almonds, walnuts, whatever kind of nuts we have, pistachios as just like a little munchy little snack, but some people aren't. So you don't want that to just die in your cupboard just to make this recipe. Kenji suggests pulsing these in the food processor because we're going to want them to be nice and chopped to about a third of their original size. Again, you don't need to use a food processor for this. I think you could just use a cutting board and a knife to cut these cashews nice and small. Because again, who wants to dirty another dish? Especially the inside of a food processor, which I do believe is the peskiest and most annoying thing to wash just in the history of dishes. Then we will need some cheese. And so this is not the cheese that's going to be going on top as a condiment. This is the cheese that we're going to be putting into the burger. As I mentioned before, we're looking to jazz it up. 
we're looking for ingredients, textures, flavors to really liven up this black bean burger. I'm making it sound like black bean burgers are so depressing, but they frankly can be. But not anymore because you're following the Home Cook's Guide and Kenji's recipe and you will never make a bland burger again. So we're going to need half a cup of finely crumbled feta or cotilla cheese. So cotilla is a salty, milky cow's milk cheese from Mexico. I'd usually use that in this recipe, but cotilla cheese is currently in some hot water. With some stores having found listeria contamination within this type of cheese, as well as queso and ricotta. So make sure you check what brands you're buying before you scoop up these cheeses. But, you know, do not fret. We will not be giving up on cotilla anytime soon absolutely be making some kind of elote corn moment on the show this summer a friend of mine just told me she ordered from HelloFresh and there was an elote corn pasta which sounds incredibly enticing so for our recipe today we're going to be leaning into using a crumbled feta here feta is just another soft sheep's milk cheese it's super compact and it's really a perfect cheese for this dish because the cheese that we're going to be putting in the burger is not going to be a cheese that we want to be like ooey gooey and spill out while we're cooking the feta or cotilla, whatever you're using, will really add a nice saltiness, but also it will give it a bit of a freshness, which is interesting because you don't really think cheese will give you freshness, but feta does have a nice kind of springy quality to it. So it's not super, you know, mushy and adds to the mush factor, which, you know, the beans can possibly do that for you too. I always prefer to buy feta from the block with a little bit of milky water in the bottom, which I believe is generally fresher than pre-crumbled. If you are buying a block of feta for this dish, you will have leftovers of that, so you obviously could use it in a Greek salad. You can make that viral feta pasta dish, which is deceptively good and so easy. Or you could even swap a feta in for any kind of elote corn moment. Again, no shade on cotilla cheese. And again, as I mentioned, this is not the cheese that we'll be putting on top of our burger. Of course, if you want to, go forth and do whatever you want. But I'll be leaning more towards a pepper jack or a cheddar on this type of burger. Again, we will get there. We will get to our condiments section. Then we will need three-fourths of a cup of panko breadcrumbs, which also seems to be another ingredient that I use in every single recipe on this here show. You can also use regular breadcrumbs here. And if you don't have either, if you have any leftover bread, you can quickly put those in the oven to get them a little bit crunchy and then blast them in the food processor to your desired texture. Or again, just chop them up with a knife. Voila, you've got yourself some breadcrumbs. Homemade. Ina Garten would be shook. Then we will need one large egg. And so this egg will be used as the binding agent to combine all the ingredients together. I saw some people in the comments saying that they veganified this recipe by making a flax egg, which is an interesting thing that I've never tried because I can just eat an egg. But you basically mix one tablespoon of ground flaxseed with three tablespoons of water and you mix it together and it's supposed to kind of create this type of thick liquid to replicate an egg. I don't know about that, but if you want to try it with a flax egg, go off. Then we need two tablespoons of mayo, and this again is just another overall moisture booster. Because we're going to be dehydrating those beans, they're going to be lacking a bit of moisture. So when we do have our final patty mixed together, you're going to notice that it, it is kind of wet and moist, but we need that moisture so that the burgers don't completely dry out. And so you could obviously go with regular mayo. You could use a vegan mayo if that strikes your fancy. Or 
a QP mayo, if you purchased it after the salmon rice bowl episode, speaking of, go back to the episode if you haven't listened yet. But you could also swap in a Greek yogurt if you're looking to lighten it up a bit as well. Then we will need the usual, a bit of salt and a bit of pepper. There are not really any specific measurements there. You can, again, use your best judgment. Then we will need six to eight hearty hamburger buns, and we're going to be toasting those. If you're going bunless, you could absolutely go that route. You could eat these without a bun and just a patty with some toppings if we're, we're going low carb. Then the fun part. We need toppings because there's nothing sadder than a burger with nothing on it. It's so depressing. So we're going to want, obviously, cheese for our topping. And as I mentioned earlier, I went with a pepper jack here because pepper jack has those habanero chilies, garlic, and spicy jalapenos, which, again, complements the poblanos, the chilies in adobo, and the black beans. It's all kind of like a copacetic flavor profile. Kenji also suggests a cheddar, a Munster, or a Swiss would be delicious here. Then any other condiments as you see fit. As I mentioned, I need chipotle mayo on about 40% of my dishes lately, but I want that on the bottom bun and on the top part of the bun. So as I meant, so I will post the link to the chipotle mayo recipe in the show notes. But you could use ketchup, you could use mustard, you could use mayo, whatever condiment that you would like. And then you can do then any other additional toppings that you want, such as shredded lettuce, sliced onions, and pickles. I really feel like you don't need that many toppings here. So for me, I need a mountain of pickles, so much chipotle mayo, and maybe a little bit of lettuce for some extra freshness. But this is not the burger that you're going to be putting an egg on. Why are people doing that still? I felt like that should have been a fad that was over years ago. It's too messy. Keep it simple. So this recipe obviously has a lot of ingredients, but there's a lot of pantry staples here. But we will have some onion and garlic scrapes that we can put into our freezer for a future stock. We'll have some eggshells, which we could just crush up and put into our compost. We'll have the stems of the pavana, which we'll also throw in our compost. Fortunately, there's nothing that you could do with those stems. And if you live in a warm weather area, then you can consider taking the seeds from the poblanos and planting them. Poblanos in the yard? <laughs> Sounds incredible. Then, of course, we'll just want to rinse and recycle the cans from our beans and chipotles. All right, people. We have come to the time where we're finally cooking. So a lot of things are going to be happening in this recipe, but we're going to start with the beans, then move to the filling, then get to the assembly, then talk condiments. All right, let's go. <laughs> so first things first, we're going to need to preheat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Then we're going to take out our rimmed sheet pan, and we'll put a layer of tinfoil on top of it. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be putting our drained and rinsed beans in a single layer on the sheet pan. We're going to want to make sure that those beans aren't completely soaking wet. We'll be roasting the beans on this tray for about 20 minutes to get them nice, crunchy, and textured. No seasoning here. Just drain, rinse the beans, and stick them on top of your tinfoil baking dish and throw them in. So at this point, we will now have 20 minutes or so to prep the rest of our ingredients. So first things first, we will take out our medium skillet and begin to heat up two tablespoons of our oil over medium heat. As I mentioned, any oil that you have will work perfectly here. So once our oil is shimmering and ready, we're going to add in our diced onions and diced poblanos. We're going to saute those for about five minutes. And we're going to want those veggies to be nice and soft before we inevitably incorporate them into the patty. So after about five minutes of pushing them around, sauteing, letting them do their things... We're going to add in our garlic just for a minute or so. 
Again, as I mentioned in previous episodes, we never add the garlic in when we add the onion because garlic burns and can quickly overcook if you keep them in the pan for a very long time. So we want to make sure that they're staying light and fragrant in our ultimate dish. So after the garlic is fragrant and everything is incorporated together, it's going to be about a minute or so, we'll add in that chopped chili along with the one teaspoon of adobo sauce. And here we're really just heating the chilies for about a minute. We're just heating to incorporate, not to really cook it or anything. We'll then get out a large bowl and put all of our ingredients from the skillet into this large bowl to cool off. And so this is the bowl where we're going to be adding all of our ingredients to make the patty. So we're going to want to make sure we find a nice, decent-sized bowl because there's nothing worse than putting in a small bowl, not big enough, transferring it to another bowl, making everything messy. No. Let's start with our biggest bowl that we can find. So while that is cooling off in our little, well, not little, in our large bowl, as I said 17 times, we'll grab our cashews and we'll either chop them up by hand or we'll put them in the food processor. If you're going to be putting them in the food processor, he suggests 12 pulses, which I love the specificity. And as I mentioned earlier, cashews might seem a little rogue here, but when they're cooked amongst other moist ingredients, they actually really soften up and add a nice resistance to each bite. So their flavor is also really mild, so it's not like they're going to take away from the beans and chili flavors. You're going to add those cashews to the bowl with the onions, peppers, and garlic. No need to stir them in yet. We're going to do lots of stirring and mixing in a few steps. So at this point, we're probably at the 20-minute mark since our beans have been in the oven. So we'll take a quick look to make sure that the beans are split open and the outer skins are beginning to get crunchy. We'll watch them go from soft and mushy to dense, meaty, and honestly, packed even more with an intense bean flavor. Once you take them out, I'll say give them a little try because we want to make sure that we're actually remembering how naturally delicious these beans are. And you don't want all the other ingredients in this to make you forget about their actual genuine flavor. And I'm talking about you cheese because sometimes when you put cheese on top of anything, you automatically lose the flavor of the thing that you're actually eating because cheese is so good and... It's the only thing my brain wants to think about when I'm eating anything is how can I get more cheese in me? So after that 20 minute mark, once we've tried our beans and we're feeling good, we can put them to the side for a minute or so just to let them cool off a little bit. So at this point, you can also decrease the oven to about 200 degrees because we'll eventually be putting our buns in there to toast as well as keeping the first batch of cooked burgers warm. And not only are we going to be wanting to keep them warm at 200, but we're going to want to give them some additional time to let the cheese melt on the top. Because these burgers are really thick and somewhat dense, when we do our flip of the burger, we might not have enough time to give that cheese on top proper melting time. So once our beans are cooled, we can either put them into the food processor or, again, just chop them up ourselves. We're going to also want to add our feta or cotilla cheese to the blender or cutting board at this time too. We're going to want to make sure that we're pulsing those beans until they're roughly chopped, kind of like the cashews, no larger than a third of their original size. So at this point, we'll now add our chopped beans and our crumbled cheese to our bowl with all the other ingredients, the large bowl, don't forget. Then we'll start to add in the other components that are really the binders for this patty. So we'll add in our three-fourths a cup of breadcrumbs, panko, whatever you have. We'll add in our single egg. And then we'll add our two tablespoons of mayo, and then we'll give it a proper sprinkling of salt as well as some pepper. We're going to then start folding everything gently together. You could use a fork, but honestly, this is a job for your hands. 
take both of your hands, stick them in the bowl, and just start mixing all the ingredients together. And as I mentioned earlier, you'll notice that there's a lot of moisture here, and we want it to be like that. So don't try to do any sort of kitchen trickery to make these a little less moist. We want them to have that moisture here. Once the mixture is fully ready, we can start forming our bean mixture into six to eight patties, or again, 12 little sliders. The last time I made them, I made them a little bit smaller so that I could have them as little ciders. But again, completely up to you and your bun size and however many guests you're feeding. I usually like to make the patties and then put them all on a plate or a baking sheet just so that they're all nice, uniform, and ready to go when I'm ready to cook on the stovetop. We're also going to have that baking sheet that we've already dirtied with our original beans. So we can also use that as our kind of holding tray for our formed patties. So at this point, we have beautiful formed patties, six to eight, 12 littles, however many you're going to be making. Doesn't matter to me. It's all the same. But we're going to have the option of either cooking this on a stovetop or cooking this on the grill. We live in a small, quaint one-bedroom with zero access to an open fire. So we will certainly be going the stovetop route here. If you are going to plan to cook this on a grill, head over to his recipe that, you again, you can find in the show notes to see those cooking instructions. For these stovetop girlies out there, we're going to take out our nonstick or cast iron pan, whatever you're cooking on, and we'll add in a tablespoon of oil here. We're going to heat that up on medium until it's glistening. This could be the same pan that you use for the onions and peppers as well. So once that oil is heating up, this is when I make sure I have all my cheese ready as well. Because as I mentioned, we're going to need as much time to let that cheese melt. So once that oil is hot enough, we are going to start putting our patties one at a time into our pan. I'm saying I'm thinking about three to four will probably fit at a time. And we're going to want to let them cook for about five minutes per side. And so you'll start to notice that they start getting a little crispy and browned around the edges. Again, we're not cooking anything raw here. We're really just looking for a brown crust to have on the outside. And because we have some of the sugars in the mayo, that will help to really get a nice browning on the outside of our black bean burger. Again, these are not beef burgers, so they're not going to shrink up. And so they will stay the same size the entire cook time. We're going to keep it on the first side for about five minutes until we get that little crisp, little browning happening. And then after those five minutes, we're going to want to carefully flip the burger. At this point, after your first flip, you might find a few straggly little bits fall off the burger, and that's completely fine. It's okay if they could be a little misshapen or, hey, a little messy, but it's all good. I'm telling you, this burger itself won't crumble into complete oblivion. You could tell Kenji made this recipe with that very particular problem at the forefront of his research. So it will keep its structural integrity, but hey, a few little beans might drop here and there, but that is completely okay. So if you're going to be planning on adding cheese, you're going to want to put that slice on the moment it's flipped over so that it has a proper time to melt. So as soon as the burger's second side is cooked for about five minutes, we can immediately put that in the oven, a sheet tray, baking dish, whatever you have, to make sure that that cheese has proper time to melt. The beans are very thick, so in those five minutes that the cheese has to melt while the burger's second side is crisping up, the heat might not have enough time 
to be transferred from the bottom of the pan all the way through the burger enough to properly melt the cheese on the top. So once we put that first batch of burgers in the oven, I would say also throw your buns in there to get a nice light toasted bun. I don't like my buns over toasted, so I really keep them in for just five, 10-ish minutes. So once all of our burgers are cooked, we could take the buns and burgers out of the oven and begin a proper assembly. My go-to order of a burger is a toasted bottom bun, a mortifyingly thick layer of chipotle mayo, a single piece of lettuce because health, the black bean burger patty with a melted pepper jack cheese on top, then a mountain of crispy tangy dill pickles, And honestly, a lot of people don't like their lettuce underneath the burger because they're looking for that crunch factor. But I like to use the pickles as my crunchy texture in a dream burger. I may even throw in a few raw onions with the pickles. And then on top, a light layer of chipotle mayo on the top bun. And voila, we're ready to serve our black bean burgers. You'll have a hard time not devouring this burger immediately. But of course... You'll need to give that burger a little sidekick. You can obviously make homemade fries with Yukon Golds or sweet potatoes, or you can get them frozen from the bag. I am true ride or die or ride a girly. I am not in the mood to make homemade French fries on a whim. So no judgment here. Or you could accompany this burger with a side salad, but I do believe this burger to me is basically like a salad on a bun. So I need a fun side dish with a black bean burger. If you're going to take away my fries and my meat, (laughs) it's over for me then. These salty, smoky, and addicting black bean burgers are a perfect protein-packed dinner option for you and your family. Ever heard of Meatless Mondays? This recipe is a fun one for me because I learned the innovative technique of dehydrating the beans to get their outer shells to crisp up while still having the insides be completely soft, textural, and delicious. I believe this technique is the key to the structural integrity of this bomb-ass black bean burger. And that is some beautiful alliteration for you. I really encourage you to put these ingredients on your shopping list and to make these black bean burgers. Please reach out on social media at the HCG Podcast or at Megan at thehcgpodcast.com with your thoughts or suggestions or any awesome recipes that you want me to make in the future. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at The HCG Podcast or shoot me an email at Megan at thehcgpodcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.